Amen. So good. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for an encounter? Come on, are you ready? Did you know that you're speaking today? Did, did you know that? Are, are you guys ready? You're speaking today. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have some fun here. You know, I really, there is something, something shifted last week. There was a shift last week. And, you know, we haven't spent a whole lot of time on it as a house. Uh, but last week we ended up doing this more prophetically so than even preparedly so. Uh, and, and that's just the idea of embracing a new era. And we, we know this. I think many of you guys are probably in tune with what the Lord's been saying over the last, you know, really since the beginning of the year about this being a new era and a new time and a new season. Uh, we just had uh, Rosh Hashanah, yeah, and uh, on the 18th here, which is yesterday, which is the uh, Jewish New Year. And so there's just, uh, there's a lot of powerful uh, prophetic data you can get from uh, the Jewish calendar because they're so intentional about naming their years, and uh, which is different than us, right? We, we're just like, two, zero, two, zero, cool. You know, uh, it's like, okay, it's 20 twice, awesome. It's like double or something, I don't know, cool. Um, and so, but the, you know, the Jews are not that way, and Hebrew is not that way. It is, you know, Hebrew is a picture language. And so they believe that all language is symbolism and that it has meaning and that you're able to gain experience off of the level of intentionality that you engage in that meaning on. And so, uh, and so it's just really, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, last year, you know, a year ago was the beginning of 5780. And uh, you can really find, if you, want to, if you really want to dive into this, uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel Tremendous kingdom-minded messianic Jew. Uh, he's uh, a, a new friend of mine in the last year. Has tremendous, tremendous uh, stuff on this. Um, but essentially what you need to begin to look at to understand the pictures is, is the number eight and zero. We started a new decade, right? 2020 was a new decade for us. It's a new decade in the Jewish calendar as well. And that word eight or the, the kind of picture for eight and zero is the mouth. And uh, there's all kinds of interesting parallels with the season that we've been in. How many know, God, how many know that the last 12 months have been pretty mouthy? Hello, been pretty mouthy. Uh, before I knew this, the Lord gave me a word that this era that we were stepping into, really this whole decade, that God was dropping a microphone into the earth. And that people were going to begin to step up to the microphone and that things, words were going to begin to be amplified. And it was really cool after spending time with, uh, with Jason Sobel, I began to realize, hey, this falls right in line with what God has kind of already been working even before time and as, as that was set in, in place. And so in Rosh Hashanah, celebration of a new year, uh, we're introducing the number or the picture one, now 5781. And that word one is unity and strength. And so there's really, um, I have great anticipation for an alignment to begin to happen because how many know there's been a lot of mouths have been opening, but it hasn't been unified. There's been chaos, there's been division, and there's been a lot of pointing finger and a lot of blame, a lot of hurt, a lot of chaos. And, and so um, isn't it also interesting that this year started with everyone, everyone having to cover their mouth. 
It's unprecedented, actually, that the enemy's tactics would want to cover the mouth. And so what's about to happen is the mouth is about to be strengthened and it's about to be unified. And uh, this needs to begin to be a prophetic declaration that we can get behind as people who are powerful to shift atmospheres, to take responsibility with our words. How many know that life and death are in the power of the tongue? And so you can either embrace that responsibility or you can be like, that's a nice scripture. Yeah. So we can either speak or not speak by faith, or we can speak or not speak and just be like, well, I'm just, I'm just being me. And I think we need to be intentional about these things and understand that life and death is in my tongue. How many of the, it's, it's different to be like, oh, that's an interesting thing to think about versus say, hey, actually life and death is in my tongue. You know, you might just want to say that right now. Life and death is in my tongue. It shifts it a little bit, doesn't it? And so it's very interesting to see what God's doing right now. And uh, it's, we got we to gotta pay attention, everybody. We got to pay attention. And we need God's humility. We need God's wisdom right now like never before to be able to partner with what it is um, that God is doing. But I have great hope. And uh, how many know that you know, we need hope in this time like never before? We need a joyful expectation of good. That is the definition of hope. Because a hopeless perspective is a godless perspective. It's impossible to have a hopeless perspective in the kingdom. Hopelessness is equal to godlessness. Because a hopeless situation is a situation that's absent of God. And so we as believers have to engage the situations in our culture, because we are introducing the reality of God, hope, into the situation. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not a problem, you're a solution. Come on. You're not in the way of the plan of God, you are the plan of God. <laughs> Come on. I said you're a solutionary. Come on, you're not a problem, you're a solution. Come on, God doesn't want to work despite you. He wants to work through you. Come on, there's no plan B. There's only plan A, and it's you. God isn't trying to work around you. He wants to work through you. That's the plan. There actually isn't another plan. That's the whole thing. I'd like to work through you. Let me know when you're ready. I'm very patient, by the way. So just let me know whenever you're ready. <laughs> Come on. And what's exciting is the more that we say that, and the more that we allow God to do that, the more of that reality of God being present is visible. And so we live in the tension of the now and the not yet, right? The, the reality of kingdom now and the reality of kingdom not yet. And so the not yet is not an absolute. The not yet is speaking about the level of incompleteness or the distance between how much kingdom we see today versus how much kingdom is still available. So it's not a theological understanding of a start, stop, yes, no, zero, one. It's not a, it's not a number value. 
it's a, it's a progression. And we got more Jesus, more kingdom, more healing, more joy, more hope, more resurrection, more supernatural glory. We got more available today because we're stepping into it. And every time we step in, we find out that there's more and that there's more and that there's more for us. But there's more kingdom today because we've been willing to step into the reality of what's available. Yeah? And so heaven coming to earth is not some supernatural phenomenon that's going to happen to you. You are not a victim to the kingdom of God. You are the mechanism. You're the converter. I had someone say something to me a few days ago. Uh, her name's Ruth. I, I'm at this like little four foot thirteen, powerful woman from Asia, and I mean she carries a big supernatural bat. I mean this one you don't mess with her. I mean this is a kingdom mama, and she ain't playing. And so when she talks, you listen. She's she's great. You guys went to meeting Ruth. She's a kingdom promoter. She loves to promote the kingdom of God. She uh, she hosted uh, a series of um, of crusades in Asia called Awakening Asia. And, uh, you know, Bill and Heidi and Randy and all the people and Todd and Ben and Dodd, all the people, like all part of that, Bethel Music, all the people. And, uh, and she coordinated all these crusades, right? And, uh, and it was all by faith, you guys. This woman didn't have $100,000 to even get one started, let alone a whole movement of it. And like she's, she, like it was all by faith. Remarkable woman. I mean, really inspiring. And so she was promoting uh, the School of Divine Intelligence for Brian and I and had us on and we're speaking to her group. And, um, and so uh, afterwards, she's like, Drew, you know what I see you as? I'm like, give it to me. What do you got? You know, she's like, I see you as a wind turbine. A wind turbine. You know, the big three bladed turbines, you know, and you'll see a hundred of them or so in a collection. And she goes, the spirit is the wind. She goes, but there has to be a medi mediation, a converter between the wind and a light bulb. And it's energy. And that wind turbine is converting energy into electricity. And she said, Drew, God's put you as a converter between the moving of the spirit and sustainable energy. I was like, that'll preach. That'll preach. I said, I'm not a problem. I'm a solution. God doesn't want to work despite me. He wants to work through me. Come on, I propose to you, Generation One, that you're a wind turbine and you're converting some kinetic energy right now. You are converting kinetic energy into a sustainable resource to solve some problems. I said there's a wind and a moving of the spirit that either you can be unaware of or you can set yourself up that when it moves, it moves you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> How many of you know that a boat without a sail is in trouble? 
I mean, we're assuming it doesn't have a motor at this point. It doesn't go anywhere. And yet it's true that the boat can observe the wind. But if it doesn't have a mechanism to embrace the wind, it will never receive the power of the wind. And there's lots of people who have felt the power, but didn't engage the power to move through them so it could be converted into a renewable energy source. Come on, somebody. I won't spend more time on that today, I, but I will later. That, that one needs some time to simmer, but I tell you what, it's got some juju on it, and, and it's going to go a long way. And, and don't be surprised to see wind turbines show up in Drew Neal's branding. Amen. Come on, how many know the earth needs some renewable energy source of the spirit? Yeah? What's exciting is that the wind isn't always blowing at the same level that it was five minutes ago or yesterday, right? And what that turbine does is it converts and stores and evens out the distribution so that many things can receive the power in, a, in an even and a sustainable way. I said, when God pours out the wine, we need a wineskin to carry it with us. You can take a shower in the wine when he pours it out if you want to, no problem. But if you don't have a wineskin and you go out on mission and you don't have a canteen, a wineskin of wine, what are you going to drink when you're out there? Yeah? I know I'm kicking a dead horse at this point, but you know what I mean? Like, we got we to get this here. You know, this... Uh, yeah, my wife and I got blessed. We were given a hot tub. Everyone say, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Free hot tub is the right price. That's the right price. And so, uh, so Melissa and I have been, uh, we've been doing this morning hot tub routine. You know, and it's got like these turbo jets, you know, that are great on the back and the neck when you wake up, you know. I mean, any, anyone in the morning, you know, you, you need a few minutes to get all the things to work. You know, like I'm not there yet, you know, um, but, you know, my body is, you know, it talks to me a little bit in the morning. Like, hey, yeah, get that cup of coffee first and uh, why don't you sit down for a few minutes and, you know, why don't you stretch. Things? So the hot tub's great because it's got these hydro jets and you can stretch and do all the things. And so, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're doing all the action and, um, and I was going somewhere and I had a really good story to tell you about this hot tub experience. And I'm like. Yeah, I know someone gave it to me and something happened. Um, well, I, conversion, yeah, what, what did I? Man, I got so excited telling you about my hot tub that I got distracted. And renewable energy, I know, I was switching gears though. And I, I was going to something else. I was switching gears. Anyways, well, I'm sorry? The wineskin, yes. What was... That's the closest one so far, the wine skin. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Thank you, Lord, for my hot tub, though. Amen. I, I bless you with the hot tub anointing. Come on, Jenna's taking it. Yeah, all right. You receive it. Come on, receive it. They're on Craigslist. Sometimes they're free. Go for it. Well, what I, what I want to do with you guys today 
is I would, I would like to go after a few more reminders. Last week, we went through a few reminders, didn't we? Being reminded about who we are as a community. Being reminded about the things that are established in this house, the things that, have, that we've been created for, the things that we've been shaped for, the things that we've fought for, the things that we've gone after, the wells that we've dug, the, the reality of the things that we are motivated by. And, and a word that's very important to us is the word revival. And revival either has a bad rap or it's, or it's over... You know, it's, it's overhyped, you know. It's one of the two, and largely because people don't have a good understanding of what the word really means. But, you know, I really believe that revival is part of a three-piece ecosystem, all right? It's working in concert with two other arenas, and it's out of Acts chapter 3, and it says that, that in, in, in a season that God would pour out waves of refreshing that would lead to the appointment of Christ— so that we could see the restoration of all things. Someone say, waves of refreshing, the appointment of Christ, and the restoration of all things. Waves of refreshing is revival to me. The appointment of Christ is structural or governmental, which I see as reformation, and the restoration of all things I see as restoration. And so there's a cycle that's happening between revival, reformation, and restoration that is continually adding to the experience of, of the next cycle, if you will. And so we're in the cyclical experience of revisiting these things. We restore, and then we revive, and then we reform. And then we restore, and then we revive, and then we reform. And so restoration is about dignity, Restoration is about inclusion. Restoration is about, you know, getting people back to what they, where they're supposed to be and even more than what they deserve. And revival is about the awakening of hearts. And so here, here we have is, is after people are restored, now they begin to give this away, this experience, and they bring people into a revived moment. So one of the, 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 things that are misconstrued about revival is that people think that revival is for the nations or they think that revival is needed you know if the government could just have a revival you know they say maybe if, if education could just have a revival you know if if such and such things could just happen if a revival could just happen and you know we need to understand the difference between structures or constructs of society and people how many know there's a difference? And there's a difference between institutions and, and people. And so institutions aren't holy. I'm sorry, structures is the better word. Structures are not holy or sinful. They can't be redeemed. People can be redeemed, though. Which means revival happens in your heart. Revival is for me. Reformation is for structures that then create a restoring experience for somebody else that then allows them to reintroduce the whole system. And so revival is not this thing of, you know, you know, can we just, if, man, if we could just have a Holy Ghost breakout at the hospital, then the world would be a better place. 
Now, it's true that that would be beneficial, but how many know that that, that is not going to reform the way hospitals practice medicine? We don't just need one hospital. We need them all, which means we have to go into the system, have favor, have expertise, be willing to go on mission into that place, go to the top of the mountain, and reform the way people think about how the structure is supposed to be governed. Yeah? So there's a compassionate strategy, which is at the bottom of the mountain, and there's an influence strategy, which is at the top of the mountain. And we need the, we need the hands and the feet of the kingdom at the bottom, and we need the mind at the top. And we need them to work together. That's reformation. But yet, how many know that there's lots of people who want to see change, but yet you would never want that person to represent the change? Right? We have a lot of that in our political system right now. There's all kinds of big personalities who say all kinds of things. And you're like, whether I agree or disagree with your policies, I just don't really like, like you when you open your mouth. Like, if you could, like, just close your mouth, that would be, like, awesome. That would be amazing. Right? And, and, and it's on both sides of the aisle and every place there. And, and we've come into this reality that we, we, need, we need people to first be awakened before they try to initiate a change. Because where you're initiating change from determines the outcome of how you want to build a structure. If you reform from your own ability, you'll just try to turn people into you. But if you reform from a revived heart, then you'll be motivated to want to see people turn into Jesus. So we need people with a revived heart who can move into the tops of mountains to bring reformation so that we can see the restoration of all things. Yeah? So a church service isn't enough to change the world. We actually need people who are mobilized. We need people who carry this revived heart into dark places. And are willing to do more than just hug them, more than just pray for them, but also teach them how to do what they do from a kingdom perspective. Yeah? So there's a responsibility piece that's there. What's exciting, though is that you got to start with a revived heart. And here at Gen 1, we've sold out for the revived heart. We've sold out uncomfortably so, actually. <laughs> I mean, some of the wackiest and wild meetings that have happened here in Metro Detroit in the last seven, eight years have happened with this family. Like, for real, actually. Like, this has been a laboratory of powerful encounter into the lives of thousands of people here in Metro Detroit. They've come in and they've tasted of God in a way like they maybe have never experienced before and they've walked out as a catalyst more revived than what they were when they walked in. Come on, there's just something powerful about that moment when the Spirit of God breathes inside of you. It's significant. It's significant when that electrical charge of, of neurons and things are happening dip into your spinal cord and go all the way down to your feet. And you're like, wait a minute. 
What was that? Anyone ever felt that one before? <laughs> Come on. There's something amazing when the still, small voice speaks. And you hear. And the shalom of God comes over you and moves in you. And you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's only only God. These are the things that we've given ourselves for. And the reason we actually take time to gather and be organized and have a 501c3 and follow a few rules by the government is so that we can be a hosting expression that people could find us on the internet and have a legal organization and be responsible, say, we're allowed to open our doors and hear because we want you to taste and see that God is good. Taste and see that God is good. Revival is for your heart. It's for your identity. It's for the love of God to be awakened inside of you and for you to be more convinced about how alive unto God you actually are right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you're alive. You're alive. My wife is a little bored right now with furniture things. If you know my wife, she, she loves furniture and design and we have a little design build company and we do kitchens and baths and Melissa does a lot of design consulting and so um, we kind of move at the pace that she wants to be busy and so it's super fun and uh, right now we're a little less busy because well we've been multiplying in our household so um, but it's there and it's alive and it's functioning and uh, Jonathan Everett Design .com. there you go you can go say hello to Melissa and get her to help you out the so Melissa's got a little itch to scratch right now and and so she's like, we have a room in our house. Anyone have the room in your house so you never really know what to use it for? Anyone have that room by chance? Like sometimes people call it the nothing room. Anyone ever heard of the nothing room? You know, it's the room when you walk into someone's front of their house, they have a, a, a room on the right and a room on the left, and you just walk past them, and you go into the rest of the house. <laughs> like the rooms that nobody uses. Like it's a nothing room. We have a nothing room and it's a room that sometimes is like the place where the kids watch TV. Other times it's a place where we hope to maybe have adult conversations and we don't. And then it's other times it's like it's this or that. So Melissa's just like, hey, maybe this could, maybe we could just bring our trampoline in from outside and put it in the nothing room. And then the kids could just like, you know, bounce and do their thing in this room and, and, and you know, and so ideas like this fester in our household because we want to be alive. We want our house to move. We want it to breathe. We want it to, to be awake. And winter's coming. Winter's coming, which means you got to be indoors. And we have 38 children. They all just walked in the door. They're all there, all five of them. And, and these kids cannot play video games every day, all day. And winter is coming. And we have to live there with all of them. Right, guys? Get a dog? No, get thee behind me, Satan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we 
We want to be alive. I said, we're probably not going to put a trampoline in the nothing room. We got cathedral ceilings in there. There's, there's, I mean, you might could work it out. I don't know. But, well, we're also pioneers. Let's go first, honey. Double the insurance policy. Um, yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. Yeah, just put it all in. But we want to be alive. We don't want to be a victim to the winter. We want to live in the winter. You know, and revival is that idea that I want to be alive when, when I go to this meeting and I, and, I, and I broker this business deal. I want to be alive when I go with my in-laws and I don't really like them, but I tolerate them. I, I want to be alive when I go and, and I'm, I'm sitting down with my spouse and we're talking about our finances. I want to be alive when I come into the house of God and I sing his praises. I want to be alive when I sit down and I open the word. I want to be alive when the rain falls or when the sun is out. I want to be alive unto God fully alive. I don't want to settle for anything less than being alive unto God because that's what Jesus paid for. He died that I could identify with his death, burial, and resurrection that I could also rise and walk in what? Newness of life. I'm made to be alive. And when you get around people who are alive, you're kind of like, I kind of want to hang out with you. Michael, you're alive. I mean, I caught him the devil a moment ago. Now he's alive. I mean, what, what's going on here, man? I'm sorry. But Michael's alive. This man's alive. This man knows the word of God. This guy's got great faith. This guy's a lion in the kingdom. Come on. You, you need some prayer. Get Michael to pray for you. He ain't having it. Whatever the devil's trying to do, he ain't having it. Because he's alive. We want to be around people who are alive unto God. Not just dead unto sin, but also alive unto God. I'm not satisfied with just being dead to something. I want to be alive unto something. I'm not just free from my past. I'm free toward my future. Come on. I want to be alive. I want to be revived. Revived. A lot of people want to change the world right now. But I tell you what, if you do it in your own strength, you'll be exhausted and tired when you get there, and the results will look a lot like you. There's a name for that. It's called Ishmael. All your own strength. The hard part about Ishmael isn't that Ishmael's cursed. It's that Ishmael looks like you. That's the hard thing about Ishmael. It looks like me. And it's limited to my ability. Because it wasn't born of the womb of promise. Same amount of energy, wrong timing, wrong season, wrong womb, wrong location. Which means it wasn't revived. Yeah? Someone will grab those doors. Jenna, Rebecca, thank you so much. The kids are all showing up out there. We bless them in the name of the Lord. But we want to be revived. We don't want to create Ishmael's. We want Isaac's. We want things that are birth of the word of the Lord, not birth at my ability to put energy in motion. Yeah? So whatever I start, I have to finish. But whatever God initiates, he finishes. 
Come on. I said, whatever God starts, he finishes. Whatever I start, I have to finish. Come on. Some of you have been trying to have faith to get out of what stupid got you into. Just like Abraham. Stupid got him into Ishmael, then he needed faith to get out of it. We've all been there, haven't we? I mean, I, I've told you guys my wood floor story before. I was building a house, beautiful home in Indianapolis, 2004. It was Melissa and I's second house, and, and uh, we had the chance to build a, just a beautiful home. I was working for a large developer at the time and uh, building hundreds of houses. And so we were like, had a great opportunity. We took advantage of it. And uh, I was doing a little bit of the work myself. And so we bought these beautiful tongue and groove hardwood floors. And uh, I'm like, well, I want to save some money. I want to install the wood floors because it's, you know, it's pretty simple. You put the wood down and you nail it and go on. doesn't need a lot of brain power. We can do this. We don't need a specialist for this. And so we got this beautiful carterized bamboo. It was gorgeous. And uh, we had 2,100 square feet of hardwood floors that had to go in. And uh, so I'm, I'm going at it. I got my dad, my brother, and, and some other friends, uh, another contractor friend of mine who is, you know, wildly talented. My dad's wildly talented in the trades, and uh, I've got a ton of experience, and like, we can do this. This is going to be easy. We're going to knock this out in a day, right? Five of us, we're going to hustle. We're going to make it go, right? And so we're laying this, this, this hardwood floor, and like, we've laid down like maybe a thousand square feet in five hours. This stuff is just not going down. We cannot get the, the groove to like go in and there's a gap and it's fishing on us. And we're like, what is going? This is so hard. And we're like, we're like looking and thinking about it. You know, how many know that when you're looking and thinking about it in the trades, you're not making any money? Well, we weren't being paid, but we weren't gaining any time either. So we had a big project here and I'm like, I was so frustrated, so mad. I'm like, this floor is going to look terrible you know, it's an open concept, so if something starts to move, you're going to see it. I, I can't even handle that. I'm, just, I'm like, I, I'm going to pay for someone to do this. So we get some bids, and this guy comes in, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I can get it done in a day. I'm like, yeah, good luck with this hardwood floor. Yeah, get it done in a day. Sure, you're, how big's your crew? You got like 10, 12 of you? He's like, no, it's just me and an apprentice. I'm like, all right, bro. Cool, man. I like your price, so I don't care if it's five days. Just come and get it done, you know? The guy shows up about seven hours later. He's cleaning up his tools. I show up, and I'm like, oh, you're already cutting off for the day, huh? He's like, yeah, just take a look at it, man. Let me know if you need anything. I'm like, you're done? He's like, yeah, we're done. I'm like, wow, how'd you get it done so quick? He goes, well, we would have had it done faster, but whoever you had start this thing had no clue what they were doing. <laughs> I was Oh, yeah? Tell me more. It's like, yeah, they were putting it in backwards. I was like, didn't really know that was a thing, but oh, okay, backwards. Yeah, we just turned around and ran it the other direction, and man, just went right down. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. Pass along the feedback. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. How many know that God's still willing to use us even in our weak moments? Amen? He is willing to get us out, but he would like to be part of the beginning so that we can see the level of results that he's capable of in the end. Yeah? 
<laughs> Come on, Nicole's getting helped out. Everyone stretch your hand to Nicole. Father, we bless her in the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you that revelation is coming alive in her. The Lord, you're breathing in her. Lord, she's alive and well in your spirit, and something is about to move in her life in a supernatural way. We bless her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who else is feeling that little stir in their spirit right now? Come on, stand up, Nick. Everyone stretch your hands to Nick. Father, we bless him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just say fresh wind that he would know that he is alive in you. Oh, alive in you in a supernatural way in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. Anyone else feeling that little touch right now? Come on. Stand up, you guys. Father, we bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say that with me. We bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, who else? Who else is feeling it? Stand up, you guys. Come on, just stand up. Just receive it. Just receive it. Everyone stretch your hands. Ready? We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we declare that they are alive unto you. Lord, we declare an outpouring of your spirit, a wind and a wave of refreshing <laughs> like never before. We bless their hunger. We, we bless their coming in and their going out. And we declare, Lord, you're about to do something for them they can never do for themselves. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Come on, the blessing of the Lord is here. I love hunger. Hunger attracts heaven. Come on, you guys ready? We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we declare they are alive unto you. A fresh season of encounter and awakening in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I said we're alive unto God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God does not, does not consist in talk, but in power. Someone say power. power. Look at your neighbor and say, I got the power. Come on. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm scared of you. Come on, people need, don't need to be talked into, their, into, the, into the new nature of God. They need to experience the new nature of God. They need the power of the new nature. They need the revival of a new nature. They need the revival of a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit. Come on, I don't need to convince your mind. I need your spirit to be alive unto God, and then your thinking will begin to change. Come on. This is who you are. You're alive unto God. This is what it's all about. And so tomorrow when someone shows up late, you just remind yourself that you're alive unto God. And then you ask the Lord to translate that individual in their car into the parking lot to make up for the 15 minutes that they're wasting of yours. Come on. It's possible. Yeah, I love Dano's story. God gave him 45 minutes in his car. He was driving from 
the southern part of the bay near Santa Clara, near Silicon Valley. He lives in the North Valley in Vacaville, north of Napa. So you got to kind of drive up into San Francisco, across into Oakland, north out of Oakland and up. I think it's 85 is what's there going into Sacramento. And, uh, and they're there in Vacaville, Caltown, and uh, just north of Napa. And it's, uh, you know, it's about an hour and 35-minute drive. And the Lord literally took off 45 minutes of his drive. Unprecedented. Needed to be somewhere. Needed to be somewhere. Actually, I, think, I believe it was for his family. He had another experience where he was, um, he needed to be at a strategic meeting for the church. And he'd been traveling for three weeks and, and uh, being in other nations. And, and so his, his yard was a mess. I think maybe you guys have heard this story, right? His yard was a mess. He hadn't been able to do a bunch of stuff. And so he needed to, you know, kind of do the, the whole thing. And his wife's like, when are you going to take care of the yard? Evidently in their arrangement, he does the outside stuff. Dano, when are you going to take care of our yard? When are you going to cut the grass? The trees need to be trimmed. The weeds need to be pulled. And so he's, he's literally getting off of an airplane, and there's a strategic meeting at the church that he needs to be at, and his wife's like, when are you going to do the stuff? When are you going to love your family a little bit here? Obviously, his wife is acts of service, right? Love language. When are you going to love me by loving our yard? So he decided he was going to blow off the meeting. He decided he was going to love his wife before he loved his work. Yeah, amen. So he cut all of his grass, trimmed the trees, weeded all the flower beds, put in a couple of bushes, you know. And he said he put his stuff, his keys, his phone, he put it in the house. He didn't look at it the whole entire time. And he's like, well, you know, I'm sure the meeting's over by now. And, uh. They're just going to have to understand they couldn't make it. And he goes in there, and what should have taken him three to four hours took him, like, I think it was like 35 or 45 minutes. It's, it's under an hour. And he took a shower, and he went, and he made the meeting. Anybody want to be alive unto God? I want some of them cheat codes in my life. Yeah? Yeah? You know, uh, Joshua, I love this one, Joshua um, Mills. Joshua Mills. He was hosting, really, he was in a, a real visitation for quite a few years, and he had the, the manifestation of, of gold dust showing up in his meetings. And he would do it at the airport, he'd do it in church service, he'd do it in a car. And uh, I was talking with Patricia King about it um, earlier this year, and she said it was the most unique phenomenon that she'd ever seen from a consistent standpoint showing up in someone's life. She said, we were in a, we were in a suburban coming from the airport getting picked up for a conference in Texas, and she said that, we, she's like, we would be in, in getting picked up just like this, and he would get off an airplane, and literally the anointing would hit him the moment that he would get in the car to go on mission with where he was going, and she said we would all get covered in it. She's like, it was, it was like it would rain inside of this vehicle and come over us. And so you can see there's tremendous videos online as well of these experiences happening. And just he's speaking in a meeting and he's completely clean. And as, and as one camera's following him for 45 minutes to an hour, all of a sudden he looks like John Travolta. I mean, he's just all glitter, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I mean, it's just like he's a, he's a disco ball. 
by the end of these 60 minutes. It's, it's remarkable. And he shares this testimony of how one night he had a dream, and in the dream, he went um, into a skyscraper and went in an elevator. And in the elevator, he goes to a certain floor, and when the elevator opens, he's in a, he's in a different skyscraper um, or some type of other large building that has an elevator, and it's in China in his dream. So in his dream, he walks out of the elevator into the lobby, out the door, down the street into a residential area, and walks up to a house, knocks on the door, and it was an undercover church that was having a meeting. And they welcome him in in the dream, and he ministers to all of them, gives them all prophetic words. He then goes back out to the elevator. He goes up the elevator, and when the door is open, he wakes up. It's like, wow, that's such an interesting dream. And so he started praying for China. He had never been before. He starts praying for China and different things like that. Four months later, he's in a conference. It's a big, huge conference, and, and uh, thousands of people are there. And, and this Chinese gentleman comes up and, and says, um, hello, you know, Brother Mills, Pastor Mills, however we greeted him, you know. And he's like, hello there. And he goes, it's nice to see you again. And he's like, Joshua's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. He goes, I, I meet so many people. He's like, remind me where we met. He goes, you don't remember? He's like, no, I don't remember, man. How did we meet? He goes, you came to my house. He's like, well, what do you mean I came to your house? He goes, well, I'm, I'm from, I think it was Beijing, somewhere in China. And I was like, I, I live there, and, and you came to our house church meeting. Like, we didn't even know you were coming. Like, but we were so touched, and you came, and you prophesied over all of us. And he said, I, you know, and he's like kind of freaking out. And, and in the dream, Jonathan Mills had given him a business card that had a unique marking on it because he had written on it as well. And the Chinese man had the business card with the unique writings on it. Wow. How many of you, that's not just a good idea? That's not just a strategy. That's a heart that's alive unto God. That's a spirit that's alive unto God. That's a mind that's alive unto God. This doesn't happen just because we have a good idea. It happens because we are awakened to the full reality of who God is. This is what's available. These are the things that we are hungry for because the kingdom of God does not consist in talk or in words, but in power. Next week, I intend to start to review the six great awakenings. Because we need to understand the capacity of what's available when people know that they are alive unto God. We need to know what God has done. We need to be reminded about what God did in the prison with Paul and Silas. We need to be reminded about what happened to Stephen. We need to be reminded about the transfiguration on the mount. We need to be reminded about what God did in 1727, 1792, 1830, 1857, when God poured out his spirit on humans just like you and me, and things began to change. This is what we're made for. We're made to be revived. We're made for our heart to be awakened and alive unto God. So that when we go out, that people don't see us. But when they look at us, 
they see the Father. When people saw Jesus, they said, I've seen the Father. Why? Well, because he's the Son of God. You look like your dad. All of you look like your dad. And when people see you, they should see the Father. So Holy Spirit, we're hungry. We're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. We want more, we want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. Father, we thank you that we are alive unto you. That our spirit is not dead, but our spirit is alive and one with your alive spirit. Father, we thank you that your son Jesus is not in the grave, but he defeated death, hell, and the grave and resurrected on the third day. That I could also rise and walk into newness of life. Spirit awaken. Spirit be awakened. Spirit be awakened. <laughs> Spirit be awakened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Spirit be awakened. <laughs> Come on, the Lord is just like he's, he's just dropping something in right now. Come on. He's just dropping it in right now. He's dropping it in right now. Come on. Some of, for some of you, this is like the red pill moment with Neo in the Matrix. And there's one pill where you can go on as normal. And then there's a red pill. And if you take that red pill, you're never going to be the same again. For some of you, God's inviting you into a new reality. He's inviting you into a new way to live. He's inviting you into this deal. And, uh, and, and so, oh, I remember the hot tub story, you guys. So I'm in the hot tub and I'm stretching in the mornings. And while I'm out there, 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm doing? I am allowing my spirit to be alive unto God. Because I'm not dead. I'm alive. And my spirit wants to remind the rest of my body way more than my hot tub can. I mean, I like my hot tub. But the spirit comes alive and all of a sudden there's a hop and a skip to my day. All of a sudden there's a little more uh, engagement. All of a sudden there's a little more faith. And something different begins to happen. Why don't you stand with me? Some of us need to be okay with life in the spirit. Jimmy is very okay with it. He loves it. And I love it that he loves it. I think we got a declaration. Do we have a declaration? Here's how we're going to roll out of here. I want you guys to all be able to see the screen. Find a spot. I know it's a little low. We're working on it. We'll get another solution. Here soon. 
But let's just make this declaration together. I'm a child of God. I have all access to everything Jesus walked in. I have dominion over sickness, resources, and principalities. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. I believe in the finished work of the cross, burial, and resurrection. Sin has no hold over me, and nothing can separate me from his love. God's love is greater than the words can be expressed. There is nothing I can do to make him love me more. His love heals every part of my being. With every encounter, I grow more aware of what is available for me as I bring heaven to everyone around me. Heaven's perspective is my reality everywhere I go. I have encounters so that I can be an encounter. I am a person of compassion, relentless hope, and unconditional love. Mercy has triumphed over judgment, and I live a radical life that demonstrates that. It's normal for miracles, prophecy, and reconciliation to be a part of my everyday life. I'm designed to live just like Jesus. The only challenge for me living like Jesus is me believing there is a challenge. God is here right now. He wants to do something special in my life, and I'm ready for more. Let's say that one there again. God is here right now. He wants to do something special in my life, and I'm ready for more. Ready for what? I'm ready for more. One more time. I'm ready for more. Father, I bless this house with more. I declare greater encounters. Father, we step into the invitation. We step into the invitation for more of your spirit, more of your goodness. We declare by the word of God that we are dead to sin and alive unto God. Fresh wind come. Breath of God come. Peace of God remain. And let our joy be full. Father, we just receive this right now in Jesus' mighty name. 